0: So glad you could join us for the mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Hi guys, I'm Matt and I'm Grief and we're going to do the Bible reading today. Uh, we're reading from 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal.
1: Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth.
0: It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres.
1: Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away.
0: For we know in part, and we prophesy in part.
1: But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears.
0: When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me.
1: For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known.
0: And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Thanks guys.
2: Okay, well, thank you, Matt and Bree, and uh, uh, we're blessed to uh, end a a Bible reading about love with a kiss. uh, So that's appropriate, I guess. Um, And uh, so I want to invite you to pray with me uh, as we come to God's Word this morning. And so uh, join with me in prayer. So Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come to your Word together. Mm, Yeah, Father, I consider this a sacred moment now this opportunity to speak to your people on your behalf. And Father, so I don't want to take this moment for granted. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit now that my words would be your very words this morning. Father, I hope to have opportunity to do this many more times, but I pray that you would enable me to speak this morning as if this was my only opportunity to declare your word. And so, Father, for each of us, whether we're those in the room now or or those who are participating online this morning, I pray that uh, the same Spirit would come upon them, that this would be a sacred moment, that we wouldn't take for granted the hearing of your word. And so, Father, I pray that you would transform us in the hearing and the speaking and the receiving of your word this morning. Let us not take it for granted. In Jesus' almighty name, amen. Uh, So this morning I want to talk about what remains. What remains when all else is stripped away? Uh, What's at the core? What's underneath the hood? What's at the heart? What endures when everything else falls apart? Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 that Brianna and Matt read for us this morning and I don't blame your kiss uh, during church for the crash of our tech but um, that's okay. Uh, the context of that is Paul is in the midst of talking about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 Corinthians 14. He goes back to that. He, he's talking about the place of spiritual gifts in our faith and how we use them. And and, and so uh, he talks about the the place of spiritual gifts in the Corinthian church has been elevated to a place that it shouldn't hold, uh, that they've become the main thing. And so Paul talks about, well, when we're using the gifts, they should be expressed in the context of love. Uh, He he talks about gifts being important. In in 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about spiritual gifts being something we should pursue and seek after. They're vital for the life of the church. They should be sought after. They should be expressed, but they're not the center. They're not the core of our faith. They are an expression of our faith. They're not the foundation of our faith. They're a gift from God to sustain the church and bring it to maturity, but they're not the main thing of faith. And so Paul says they should be expressed in the context of love. But then he goes on, and just to reread some of the verses... In 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to read from verse 8. Paul talks about the place of gifts and, and all else in, in historical context. Uh, and this isn't past history, this is, this is going forward, future history. He says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes what is in part disappears when i was a child i talked like a child and i thought like a child i reasoned like a child when i became a man i put the ways of childhood behind me for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror then we shall see face to face now i know in part then i shall sorry now i know in part then i shall know fully even as i'm fully known and then he says in this uh, 1 corinthians 13:13 13, 13, and now these 3 remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love and so paul says that gifts as important as they are as vital as they are to the health and vitality of the church they're not the center they're not what endures for eternity the things that remain when all else is stripped away is faith hope and love This was a common triplet of things to talk about as the core of Christian faith in the early church. Paul himself talks about these three things together in his other letters over and over again. Faith, hope and love. These are the center. These are the core. These are the foundation. These are what should remain when all else is stripped away. And so as we pursue thinking about faith, hope and love this morning, I want us all to think about what have we elevated above its rightful place in our life? What have we put, for the Corinthian church it was spiritual gifts, something good and a gift from God, something vital to the health and vitality of the church, they'd put that above faith, hope and especially love. And so it's not always a bad thing that we elevate beyond its rightful place, but I want us to think about what have we pushed to the center or a push to the highest place in our life that, that shouldn't be there. What would remain in our life when all else is swept away? And, and so I want to extend to us all an invitation this morning, an opportunity created by the season that we're in to, to come back to these things, to come back to faith, to come back to hope, to come back to love. To come back to a faith that is unshakable, to come back to a hope that is radiant, to come back to a love that is extravagant—faith, hope, and love. See, I think uh, when Paul talks about faith, he, he he's talking about a faith that remains that is unshakable. In one Corinthians, uh, sorry, in Hebrews eleven verse one, the writer of Hebrews says this of faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence and assurance. It's robust, it's stable, it's steady, it's confident and assured. And so I wonder what can shake your faith. I wonder about my faith. What can shake my faith? Because our faith is meant to be unshakable. Uh, With my children and my wife, we've been watching the the Lego Masters series, um, which the finals are on tonight, and so you'll have to pre-record that or watch it on catch-up TV because we've got our prayer night tonight. Uh, But finals week begins tonight. But there was one episode of Lego Masters where they had to build a really tall tower upon a plate that shook violently. And so the tower had to be so tall and it had to be so wide and, and, and it had to shake and they would turn up the shake meter higher and higher, and the winning tower was the one that could uh, withstand the highest degree of shake. Um, and actually several towers endured to the distance. They had a faith in their towers that was unshakable. But what determined whether the towers endured or not was how they were constructed. It was the, the, the manner in which they were put together, the foundation upon which they were built upon. And so the same is true of our faith. What determines what can shake our faith is exactly what we've built it upon and how we've built it up. What can shake your faith is a product of what your faith is hinged upon. And so, so often we we hinge our faith, we build our faith upon good circumstances... We, we we might build our faith upon a hope in our good works we might build our faith upon a church we might build it on a particular biblical understanding we might build our faith upon financial success we might build our faith upon a particular pastor or we might build it upon world peace, answered prayer our own righteousness, a, a healthy marriage, these things we might kind of anchor our faith to in some sense and so often we don't know that we've built part of our faith upon those things until those things are shaken and we find our faith shaken. All too often is the story of a pastor who falls and the faith of people falls. And it's tragic when a pastor messes up their life and the life of those who love and the church, but when people's faith is shaken by that, we need to ask the question, well, what was their faith built upon? Because if their faith is built upon a pastor or a church or or good circumstances or financial prosperity, when when those things are shaken, our faith will be shaken. Because everything in life can be shaken. Just like that base plate in Lego Masters that, that shook everything. There are seasons in life that everything can be shaken. This is a season like that at the moment where for so many of us, the norm of our life, our, our financial security, in reality or at least in fear has been shaken. And so sadly for, for some, when, when life is shaken, our, our faith starts to crumble. Uh, the Apostle Paul in, in 2 Corinthians Verses, uh, uh, chapter 4 verses 13 to 18 has this to say about their faith. It says, It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus, and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though we are outwardly wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so the Apostle Paul is, is, is talking here about what is your faith fixed upon? What is it built upon? What is it anchored to? And so if it's anchored to anything temporary, it can be shaken, as we've already said. If it's anchored onto things that we can see with our natural eyes in this life, then anything that we can see can be shaken. But he says they don't lose heart, they don't lose faith, their faith isn't shaken, it's actually built up in the midst of trials because it's anchored to the one. It's anchored to the one who raised Jesus from the dead in faith that he would raise them also. It's anchored not to the one or to the things that they can see in the natural realm. It's anchored to the the one in which we cannot see with natural eyes. The one who is eternal. And so in a sense it's it's true when every Lego brick in the tower of our faith is Jesus and built upon Jesus, we will have an unshakable faith. There was one of those towers, everyone else had these uh, tricky structural Lego technic things happening on and, and one of the towers just decided we're just going to build a solid tower of Lego brick solidness that weighed a ton all the way to the, to the height and it was one of the ones that endured. It's as if that fancy tricks and, and different ideas wasn't what they went for, they just said let's just build a solid block of Lego. And so that's the kind of the picture we can have of our faith. When the foundation we build upon is Jesus and every brick that we lay in our faith is Jesus, we'll have a faith that is unshakable. Remember the words of a hymn uh, that was written about 200 years ago and it actually uses the word hope, which we'll talk about in a moment, but I think this is even more so true of faith. It says, my hope or my faith is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And so I want to encourage you this morning to take the opportunity of this season when so much has been shaken to return to an unshakable faith to build your hope, your faith upon nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. That doesn't mean that we don't be an active, vital part of a healthy church. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't seek to have a good marriage and good circumstances and financial prosperity. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't honour the leaders in the church and acknowledge their leadership. These things encourage our faith, but what I want us to grasp this morning is they are not the substance of it they are not the substance of your faith. Jesus and him alone must be the foundation and the substance of our faith if it's to be unshakable. What remains when all else is stripped back and swept away and shaken? Well, I pray for you it is a faith that is unshakable that's built upon Jesus. Faith and then hope. Faith, hope, and love. In Romans uh, chapter five, verses one and two, uh, the apostle Paul has this to say: He says, "Therefore we since, sorry, therefore since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast." in the hope of the glory of god and so there's many things that i hope for i hope that they discover a vaccine for the coronavirus and and that that can bring an end to uh the current situation an end to the the suffering and the loss of life an end to the the financial difficulties that are created as a result of trying to restrict its growth i hope that school goes back to normal I am not a good home teacher. I confess that. I'm not good at it. I hope that many things return to a new and better normal. There's, there's many things that I hope for, but the hope of the Christian faith is the glory of God. And what's meant by that is not just uh, the glory of God in creation as glorious it is. It's not just the glory of God in those moments like this morning when we're worshipping Him and we just sense His tangible, glorious presence. Our, Our hope is in the glory of God in internal sense. Our hope is that we will spend eternity in the manifest, radiant glory of God Almighty. Unveiled. And so our hope is ultimately not in, of anything or for anything in this world or in this life. Our hope is out of this world. It's radiant, it's glorious because it's for God's glory. And so this morning I, I want to encourage us in the midst of this season, uh, whether it's been a blessing for you or a challenge or a trial for you, uh, my hope for you this morning is that you would be filled with a radiant hope but i don't want you to confuse hope and optimism i think there's great reasons to be optimistic i'm an optimistic person by nature but hope and optimism are not the same thing hope and optimism are not the same thing uh, there's a commonly told story that was uh, referred to in that book, Good to Great, and, and spoken of now as the Stockdale uh, Principle. And Stockdale was, a, uh, was a, an army leader, a military leader in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. Um, and, and he said the ones that struggled to survive most were the optimists, the ones who thought, well, we'll be out by Christmas, we'll be out by New Year, we'll be out by Easter And when those times came and their optimism proved to be false, he says they died of a broken heart. But it was actually the hope that one day this would come to an end, which sustained those that survived. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of other factors, but, but see, hope is something very different to optimism. Hope doesn't deny the reality of the current circumstances here and now, but it has a hope, a confidence in something beyond the here and now. It's not just an optimism for good circumstances to come back around. It's a hope that despite the circumstances of this life, we will spend eternity in God's glory. See, optimism can be disappointed. Optimism can be uh, put to shame in a sense. We we can be optimistic for something in this life that, you know, they'll have a vaccine in in a couple months and this will all be over and we'll all be back to normal. That, That optimism may be disappointed but hope radiant hope for God's glory cannot ever be disappointed Uh, in Romans chapter 3 Paul goes on I haven't got this one on the screen for you Paul goes on to say this in verses 3 to 5 not only so, like we boast in the hope of the glory of God, he says, but not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Or, or many translations say "Their hope does not disappoint. Optimism can disappoint. But hope anchored in Jesus, does not disappoint or put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so our hope in Jesus will not be disappointed. Hope transcends optimism for the future. Hope transcends the future. And so in Hebrews chapter 6, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the promise of God. And the writer of Hebrews says this, we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. And so when all else is swept away, when all else is stripped back, we have unshakable faith if it's built upon Jesus. And we have an opportunity to have not just optimism but radiant hope. This radiant hope is an anchor for our souls that that we do not lose a grip on life. We do not lose a grip on hope because it anchors our souls. And so I want to encourage you this morning as you rebuild or or reestablish your faith upon Jesus that it's unshakable. I want to encourage you to re-anchor your hope not in the circumstances of this life but in the hope of spending eternity in the manifest glory of God. And I want to encourage you to let that radiant hope shine out of you that others might see it and wonder, what is it about that person that despite everything that's going on, they're radiating hope? And so we're called to unshakable faith. We're called to radiant hope and we're called to extravagant love. And so in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the Apostle Paul says, these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And he also says, though, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And so love is the heart of the biblical ethic. It's it's the heart of the the ethics of the Old Testament and the New. It's the heart of everything that should shape our behavior. Uh, Jesus and and the writers that, that wrote the rest of the New Testament talk about love as being the thing that sums up all of the law and the prophets. That that love is the foundation of the Christian ethic. And and so I want us to to go back though and read what Paul has to say about this kind of love. This is found in in verses uh, 4 to 7 of 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You only need to ask my family, those that I love the absolute most in this world, to know that I fall short. These are the the people that I love more deeply than anything else in this life. I I love you, church, but you don't come close to my family, my wife and my children. I love them so deeply, but you only need to ask them. And they may be encouraging, I, I think they probably would be, but in reality the truth is that I fall so far short of this example of love this is extravagant love this is powerful love yet yet my love is so mild and feelable and all too often self-seeking as i was reading through this again this morning i thought why does patience have to be first i can't even get past that as i compare my capacity to love to to what paul says about the kind of love that we're called to exhibit he says love is patient and i'm like, i'm done already because my love simply is not patient my love is not slow to anger my love is self-seeking don't get me started on my love keeping records of wrong i was really deeply challenged by that verse a few months ago. Uh, The reality is I cannot extravagantly love the way the scriptures talk about love, the way 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love. I cannot love that way out of my own capacity. I cannot love that way out of my own self-love. So we have this uh, repetition of scripture that says love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself as yourself and, and jesus affirms that as the the greatest commandment love the lord your god with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself but jesus actually transcends that truth in john thirteen thirty four and elsewhere he says a new command i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another and so the reality is, we, and we talk about we must love ourselves to be able to love others. That if we're going to love our neighbour as ourselves, then it needs to start with with loving ourselves. And there's there's deep truth in that. But but we can only love so much. We only have so much capacity in ourselves to love. And so Jesus calls us to that higher level of love. He says a new command. No longer is it love your neighbor as you love yourself. It is love your neighbor, love others, love each other as he loved. As he loved. The scriptures say elsewhere, we love because he first loved. Loved us. Uh, they say this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Uh, the scriptures say how deep the Father's love for us that he would call us his children. It, it's out of that love, it's that kind of love that we are called to love with. And, and so here's what I want to say about love this morning. We, you and I can only love Extravagantly let me start again we can only love extravagantly it's a hard word to say it's even harder to do we can only love extravagantly we can only love ourselves extravagantly we can only love god extravagantly we can only love others extravagantly to the degree in which we have encountered god's love for ourselves we can only love ourselves, others, God, to the degree in which we've encountered the depth of God's love for ourselves. And the flip side of that truth is that when we encounter God's extravagant love in our own life, it is so deeply transforming that we cannot help but love others extravagantly. And so if I am deficient in love, which I guarantee you I am, I am deficient in love for my neighbor. I am deficient in love for my family. I'm deficient in love for myself. I'm deficient in love for others. If I am deficient in love in any area of my life, what I need is not more effort, but a deeper encounter of God's love for me. Because we can only love to the degree in which we've encountered and experienced the love of God. In Romans 5.5, 5, that, that verse we read about uh, having a, a hope, it, it also says that love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It cannot comprehend the depth of God's love with our mind. Good theology is good. I recommend and I encourage good theology, good biblical understanding, good understanding that Jesus loves you theologically, but but the depth of God's love for you cannot be understood through the effort of the mind. It is encountered in spirit through the Holy Spirit's presence. What remains? When all else is stripped away, what remains in your life? When all else is shaken and and when all else is is rattled and stripped away, what remains? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 and, and elsewhere in the scripture would encourage us that the core of who we're called to be as followers of Jesus is people of faith, hope and love, people of unshakable faith, people of radiant hope and people of extravagant love. But I want to encourage you this morning, if three things is too much to hold on to, and so for some of us, three things, you know, we're in seasons where our minds, our hearts, our spirits are overloaded, and you're like, oh, three things. I'm struggling to hold on to one thing, then I want to encourage you that love is the one thing. Three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so if there's one thing you'll finish up this morning with knowing, let it be this. You are extravagantly loved by God. You are extravagantly loved by God Almighty. And so as we worship once more this morning in song, I want to encourage you. I want to invite you. I want to lead you into an expectation for an encounter of the extravagant love of God I pray that this moment would be one in which you experience the love of God at a much deeper level than you ever have before my words can't achieve that for you your mind can't achieve that for you. It simply comes through an encounter with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so let me pray. And as the worship team begins to sing, you might choose to sing along with them to declare these words over yourself or or you may perhaps just choose to rest in a position of expectation and receiving whatever that looks like for you. Some might like to put your hands out like this as a, as a example of I'm ready to receive Lord. Uh, some of you might like to adopt other postures but I encourage you to position yourself in spirit and physically to receive this morning. so let me pray and then we'll release our worship team to lead us in this moment Heavenly Father I pray that we, all those who are here this morning, all those who are participating online, all those who will connect with this message at some later date, I pray that you would, by your Spirit, lead us to a faith that is unshakable, to a hope that is radiant, and to a love that is extravagant we pray this morning, I pray for everyone this morning I pray Lord that you by your Holy Spirit would pour love into our hearts, I pray that here and in every house that we're joining together in this morning that as we adopt a posture of receiving I pray that we would encounter deeply the extravagant love of God Pour it out into our hearts. Transform us. That we might truly be able to love as you have loved us. Let us experience in our spirits this morning that deep love, Lord. In Jesus' almighty name, I pray. And if you agree with me, say it out loud. Put it in the chat. Do whatever you want to do. But but just declare your amen this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.